At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunked On. If you would like all of our playoff coverage, all of our draft coverage, all of our off-season coverage, including the mock off-season, you can subscribe to Dunked On Prime with our mock off-season sale at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. Are you ready for some talk about Brandon Miller? Yeah, let's do it. Well, I think we need to address the elephant in the room first with him, which, uh, of course, is the murder that took place uh, in Tuscaloosa that Miller, or Miller's teammate, I should say, is now charged uh, with capital murder. Uh, That's Darius Miles is the teammate. Darius Miles uh, had a friend, Mr. Davis, who actually pulled the trigger, firing into a parked Jeep and killing a 23-year-old woman who's in the front passenger seat. Massive caveats about all of this discussion because we don't know precisely what happened. There's going to be a legal process. There's going to be a trial. Both men who've been charged with capital murder have disputed those charges. And what facts we do know are based on a few things. There's the testimony of the investigator and as they were proceeding towards the indictment. And then there have also been articles from people who have probably talked to the defense and have viewed these videos uh, taken of security cameras near the scene that really appear to show the whole incident, but that's never really been made public. I obviously have not been able to view that. I've only been able to read articles by reporters who supposedly have seen this footage and are relaying the contents to us. And it is disputed who fired first. Was it someone from inside the Jeep? What caused this dispute? All of that is in doubt at the moment. Brandon Miller is important to note at the outset has not been charged with a crime. There's nothing really that they could have charged him with uh, based on any evidence uh, that I have heard. I probably spent about two hours or so reading up on as much as I could about this case because it is clearly when you're talking about someone being drafted likely in the top five likely in the top three and of course the recent controversy with john morant uh, has reminded us uh, that these things are very important when you're talking uh, about drafting someone that you would expect to be a face of your franchise i'm going to just summarize this pretty briefly here and I apologize if there's an article that I haven't read. I'm not a crime reporter. I did as much as I was willing to do over two hours. I'm going to try to be as fair to him, but also as fair to everyone else involved in this case that has been such a great tragedy in Tuscaloosa. As best I can tell, what we know now, and keep in mind that some of this comes from leaks probably by the defense and by Miller's attorneys. So there could be a lot more that comes out. Miles left his gun 
possibly concealed in the back of Miller's car and Miller was giving him a ride. They weren't necessarily hanging out during the day and Miles and Davis apparently got into some sort of uh, altercation uh, with the group that included the victim. Before apparently this altercation began, Miles had texted Brandon Miller to come and pick him up uh, in Tuscaloosa. This is in the the 1 a.m. hour or so. And so Miller had left already, according to uh, apparently... uh, his version of events and there isn't anything to dispute that at this point in time to go pick him up as he's driving another text comes in from miles basically saying i'll try to summarize as best i can that he needed his gun because someone was possibly threatening him and that there's a possibility of uh, an altercation we don't know what miller then texted back to him and but it looks like it must have been something because miles then texted miller to meet him at another player's car which he knew where it was because he had dropped him off apparently so miller shows up it's not clear whether or not he knows that he is bringing the gun to miles and the purpose whether he saw that text message or not but let's assume the worst that he did know that he was bringing him the gun i don't know if he handed it to him if he even necessarily he must have known you would think that it was in the car or miles wouldn't have texted him saying hey i need it because miller if he didn't know it was in the car wouldn't have known where to bring it to him or how to bring it to him so to be clear this is not miller's gun this is miles gun it's unclear that miller ever handled the gun it's unclear though possible that miller knew that miles wanted the gun it seems less likely though maybe still possible that miller by the time he meets up with miles and miles gets the gun and, and gives it to mr davis knows that there's an altercation and that you know, davis needs it for defense or, or whatever it is and then of course uh, the incident happened in which you know sides uh, one side alleges that davis shot first one side alleges that one of the occupants of the car shot first so those are basically the facts right there danny as best that, that i could tell them of course much is is in dispute still how does that make you feel about possibly drafting brandon miller to be the face of your nba team i would say a little uncomfortable but not disqualifying in and of itself but it would put significantly more pressure on my organization and or whomever i would hire to interview to research not just this but everything else like is this an outlying thing and and there's because you know there's definitely an element of this where like he whether fully wittingly or unwittingly or some bridge between the two like not only put himself but put other people in a more dangerous situation and he did not pull a trigger he did not it was not his gun so like the the worst parts of this do not appear to have been Brendan Miller, but you know, like the 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 gray area between those two can be more charitable or less charitable depending on how things go. So talking to talking to other people and and the hard thing with this sort of research, I would presume I've never had to do it. I I, I used to work in politics, but I never did oppo. What is a lot of the people that you would talk to about how Brendan Miller is like as a person are people who have I don't even want to say like a necessarily like a financial interest, but probably have some sort of desire to see Miller do well. And so you, how how can you parse that and everything else? And other people could have an axe to grind and everything else. So it's it would be a consideration though for me. I wouldn't I wouldn't just wipe it away. No, I and I wouldn't say so either. And a few more diesels I should probably add to as I, as I go through my notes. But Miller is in the car up the street when the shooting takes place. 
initial reports uh, had implied that Miller had parked his car in such a way as to like prevent this Jeep that the victim was in from escaping that eventually the Jeep as it pulled away did sideswipe Miller's car and Miller's car was actually hit by what appeared to be straight bullets. It's not clear that someone was actually aiming at, at Miller's car. So, so he is you know relatively close to the scene, but you no, know, there, there's no crime that you can be charged with you know, unless some evidence emerges that he was like, Hey, give me this gun so I can go kill this woman. You know, again, it's unclear whether he was ever aiming for the woman, what we've heard again, which is maybe more t- uh, tinged with the defense's slant of view was that, you know, he was just firing into the car kind of more indiscriminately in self-defense or not, but that it was more, you know, it wasn't necessarily that he was specifically aiming for this woman. And you know, I, I think there'll be differing approaches on that, but it's unless something comes out where it says it was where Miller was reacting to an understanding of, Hey, bring me this gun so that we can go kill this woman right now. Like that's, they're probably not going to be able to prove any sort of a legal case against him. And I think if you had to think about it, particularly in a world where uh, a lot of people are carrying guns, that is unfortunately the nature of our society. I really wish that that were not so. We uh, have a rather unique society in that regard. And I, it really pisses me off that that's the case. But if you have a friend who's like, hey, like I, and again, it's unclear if Miller even knew that he was bringing the gun and for what, uh, and that he had gotten this text. But if your friend says, hey, like I'm being threatened, like I need something for self-defense, that's mine. Can you bring it to me? That's probably something that you're going to do for a friend. That's, there's no indication that you're just going to go commit a capital murder. Like that's, that's how you, uh, and a lot of people feel like that's how you have to defend yourself when you're being threatened is you get to go get your gun. So that's, uh, now you can certainly, I think, question his judgment. You can question the fact that you know, you're just hanging out with people who are carrying guns around like this and get into altercations like this, that this is, you know, apparently a relatively normal part of life in theory that's definitely would have to go into uh, all the background stuff as well and uh, there's no haven't been any reports of anything else along these lines that he's been involved in of course if something is uncovered then that would change your evaluation of things and you know that that it was just dumb to even be even tangentially around something like this and around people who are doing this but you know one of these guys is his teammate after all yeah like there, there there's a lot of context that we will probably never know and teams definitely won't know before a month from now yeah and is it like great that miles just stashed his gun in in miller's car like no i i don't love that at all but that's also like something that you are legally allowed to do in this country like that is the world that we live in right now so ultimately i i take the same view as you do that this is not something that would you know assuming more is not uncovered here this is not something that would massively color my evaluation of him as a prospect many people were really angry that miller wasn't suspended by the university having gone through all the facts i can't quite say that that's i mean there has to be like an actual process there i'm not like you could say hey maybe he just this was foolish to be involved with this but there also doesn't appear to be any sort of intent as well and some of the breathless headlines that took place early on and circulated on social media were relatively been insubstantiated plus such as like him positioning his car intentionally so that the victim couldn't escape like that's that sort of thing you know it's it's unclear if he even knew like who these people were so definitely a a big tragedy and you know there are two people that he knew are 
charged with murder, but there's also not an indication that he did anything more than what I've said so far. And of course, if more comes out, then that could change Miller for his part. He refused to answer questions about it, providing NBA personnel at the combine that he interviewed with, with the legal brief from his attorneys about why that is. And I'm sure teams, particularly ones that are right in the top of the draft, will be sending their own personnel to Tuscaloosa and trying to figure out a little bit more uh, on what happened as well. And certainly there will be questions like there is a this is not like a great PR look, particularly if you already have a, a, are potentially bringing back someone like Charlotte for uh, the Intel, bring back someone who has uh, confirmed legal issues and is uh, pleaded no contest. But Jeremy Wu and John Cavoni said Charlotte, which of course is the number two pick. They reported that the front office would like to have Miles Bridges back on the roster next season. So that could this could be another PR issue for the Hornets, possibly. Let's get into the actual player, though, here at this point now. Tell us more about Brandon Miller, the player. Absolutely. We don't have definitive measurements on Miller because he did not get measured at the combine, but I, I, I asked him, Vicini, and he said that this sounded good, sounded about right to him. Six foot nine, 200 pounds with about a seven foot wingspan. This happens a couple of times in this draft class, but Brandon Miller, one and done at Alabama, he's already 20 and turns 21 in November. So his rookie year, despite being a true freshman, will be his age 21 year. I did not really research. Maybe he's not a true freshman. Is he an untrue freshman at that point? I know know it refers to like redshirt freshman, but it's... Yes. And so I don't know the full story there. I also didn't do a ton of digging. There was other digging to do with Mr. Miller. A little bit of a bio. Um, Grew up in Tennessee, was Tennessee Mr. Basketball his senior year, was a consensus five-star high school prospect, but more like 10th in his class than in contention for number one. Um, chose Alabama over some high-profile programs or playing with the G League Ignite or Australia. His dad played football at Alabama. Um, and in his one year at Bama, Miller, second team All-America and SEC Player of the Year. And that's really, you know, that's really impressive on-court stuff for a, for a freshman. And the numbers bear that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit just on some brief stuff here, but... 38% from three took about seven a game at six nine. Re- really impressive numbers was shooting in the 40s for most of the season. That's definitely a, his most impressive skill. I think where I want to begin though is with a little bit more on his physical profile. You mentioned the 200 pounds. 6'9", solid but not unbelievable wingspan for that size. Not very strong at this point in time. You, we've seen guys get stronger, but doesn't have really, I think, the breadth of shoulder to make you think that strength is really going to be a major part of his game. Uh, he's definitely like a, a thinner guy, and I would consider him an okay athlete he's able to get up a little bit in space for some dunks so a lot of these dunks are kind of he's really extending his arms as far as he can he's got a decent wingspan he's tall so he can get some dunks but if he has if he's has a body on him or he's not able to just like gather the way he wants to he doesn't really get very far off the ground he had a few big dunks in in this season but not that many. I think he had. I have it that he had 22 made dunks on the year. Yes, he is. I was trying to get to that page myself, but I went the wrong way and clicked on Alabama's team instead. Yeah, 22 of 25 on dunks 
on the year. And then, so I wouldn't consider him an explosive athlete. He's thin. And then moving his feet, you know, pretty solid for 6'9". Doesn't get blown by too much, but also not someone who's really like pressuring, using his length to disrupt. He's kind of more of a containing defender. And so the physical profile is not like, you know, wowing you. It's more kind of the skill level that he shows at that size. So that's we should probably get into that skill level now and because that is what makes him so intriguing. I and mean, we haven't really seen a wing coming out of college with this sort of polish in some time. We haven't. And one of the parts of the story which um Keandre Hoopin elect talked about, and I also talked about this with, with Bassini on my pod, is that Brandon Miller did the the three-pointer was a question mark for him before his freshman year at Alabama because he was more of a mid-range guy and he was making those shots and then he had the in-between game and it was like can he extend it out to three and then he takes seven and a half threes a game makes 38 percent of them and on his kind of volume that's 275 three-point attempts in the season and he also shot 86 percent from the free throw line so the 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 shot and that's a mix of self-created and catch and shoot overall as as it is for pretty much any young player um 1.19 points per possession points per shot i should say on uh catch and shoot situations that's that's pretty strong and dribble jumpers if you want to classify it that way that's the way synergy does it he uh, had 0.89 points per shot which is 68th percentile for for a six foot nine guy that's pretty pretty impressive and the the thing that i think miller and his representation could sell people on is that based on that volume even if he didn't necessarily do it in high school you can be confident that what like that combination of size and shooting that there is a place for him in an NBA rotation and probably an NBA starting five relatively quickly. And even if he doesn't, the on-ball stuff we'll talk about that I think it's better than than a shooter only would be. But the kind of the even the like the the worst case scenario for him, given his positional size and kind of the things he does well, is pretty damn useful yeah and and we'll get into this more but i do consider him a pretty high floor prospect for that reason i am a believer in the jump shot also shot in the mid 80s from the line which again it's at six nine that you don't see that very often and And he got and he got to the line almost five times a game which is also a positive so let's talk more about the jumper he shoots it more kind of on the way up doesn't have a very high release point doesn't get a lot of elevation but he does have good versatility to his shot he's able to shoot off the dribble he can attack like the mess mesh point of a switch and just pull up off the dribble from three he's able to shoot on the move he's able to shoot coming off of screens his spot ups he's got plenty deep range because it's easier to shoot from deep with kind of more of that set shot type of release shooting a on the way up. I mean, it's not quite Steph Curry, but it's more along those lines than it is guys who really like rise up and shoot at the top of their jumps. And it's, a little bit of a shame because he's so tall that he shoots it that way and and i think that's that's going to affect my thought on, on him as a score some but this is definitely real shooting and just to get that type of volume up at that size really can shoot in just about every way particularly going to his right a lot of shooters struggle shooting going to the right he can do that off the dribble he can do that off the of screens he gets his body underneath him really well the release is pretty quick also which uh, helps mitigate some of the issues uh, that he might have getting his shot shot off as well as just being six nine to begin with so all really impressive i i don't know if you wanted to weigh in uh, on what you thought of his um, jumper as well but it's it, it's just really good it's really it's, good it's for very, this it's, player type in particular it's very good i like his jump his footwork 
on his jump shot too. And one of the other ones that I really liked um, in the game against Liberty, he hit a trail three with the perfect footwork on it. And that's not something young guys, I mean, he is 20 turning 21, but it's not something that young guys have very often. What, what, what do you mean by trail three? Like, like he's, you know, the big, he's, he's just coming from the front court, coming from the back court, running up in the action and just sets his feet and gets the shot. Like he never, it's never a part of the offense. It's just something guys don't always think about, like to be sad and to be ready and to get it. Like the trailer, the three point shooter is a trailer. So. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, it, yeah. It's not something that everybody has right in their skill set. And yeah, I, li- I like the versatility of it. It Even though he's not the most explosive athlete, like fluidity coming off screens plus a jumper is plenty good. Like we've seen a lot of athletes weaker than Miller do very well in that role. We've seen a lot of players shorter than Miller do well in that kind of a role. So you can see that. You can see that too. I was going to get into something else, but I realized that's not necessarily rigidly shooting, so we can save it. <laughs> well, I, th- I think we can move on. I don't really have a, a ton else to say. Well, I guess it is interesting to me because I hadn't known that, but I'm just coming completely fresh on these guys. I hadn't known that at the lower levels he was deemed to be more of a mid range guy, particularly because I just I don't didn't really see like how he's going to get that shot off. I was surprised too. Um, I, uh, there, there is some, I saw, I watched a little bit of footage of it, but it was, it was definitely a surprise, but also like he's so much taller than high school kids. So it wasn't really as much of a, as much of a difficulty. At bet three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a three point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. But w- one thing that connects with spot ups that I thought was really fascinating with the uh, this more this is more the statistics of Miller. I did watch some of the film is that the spot up numbers on him are really good. Um, one point one five points per possession. That's incredibly strong overall. But that's all his jump shot. It's the the no dribble jumper, the spot ups as spot ups. When he drives off of a spot up, the numbers are actually pretty awful. It's below a point per possession overall. And it's a small sample. And Alabama was, you know, they were playing a, a big who they were often there was there was when I watched some of those clips, there was there was some crowding there. And there there's a lot to like about Miller as in like, you know, kind of with the ball in his hands. Um, but the, the those limitations as a driver and as a finisher, even if his finishing got a little bit better over the course of the year, when you combine that not only with his like more modest athleticism for his size, but also the dramatic uptick that is going to happen when you go up against like there is a the shift from college bigs to NBA bigs is stunning. And so if you know he's not getting a ton of necessarily separation on those, you're you're going to be running into some that's going to have a, a chance of blocking your shot of being bigger and stronger and in some cases for him faster than you and it's gonna be a challenge let's start with the good first you you brought up a, a lot of different points there that, that i want to hit on and i think like this guy is six nine and he can dribble pass and shoot yes like, like his pick and roll game in terms of just the mechanics of it if not necessarily some of the results as a score is incredibly impressive like he's got good hesitations he's able to even do like a, a little bit of snaking he can 
pass fake. He even kind of eyebrow fake the pass and then attack. He manipulates the big pretty well in pick and roll. He loves throwing left-handed passes to shooters or even no looks to the big ruling in the room. He mostly played the three at Alabama, maybe a little bit of four. So he had plenty of chance to run pick and roll. And when the opposing team was in a conventional pick and roll defense, he could also just shoot the three off the dribble in pick and roll. And while I didn't see a ton of great mid-range game out of the pick and roll and his floater game really was a struggle, he was only 12 out of 37 on floaters. Some of those are out of kind of more post-up sort of plays, but some of those out of pick and roll. But like his handle is really, really good for a 6'9 guy. And he, he what did he average, like two assists a game? 2.1, yeah. But there was enough there, and particularly that they didn't have great spacing. Like I think if he's... I think he's going to get to be pretty good as a pick and roll ball handler. If he's just overall good enough as a scorer to warrant getting the ball like that, like I think he's just, he knows how to manipulate the defense and, he, and he's a little more, remember he's 20 and a half years old. So he's a little bit more polished than your typical wing player that we've been talking about coming out of college. So he should be, you know, a year further along in, in his development, but it, it is very impressive to see at his size, what he can do as a dribbler, passer and shooter. Like that's, you you can say all right we're always looking for wings this guy's six nine he can do all this stuff like just simply that a six nine guy who can dribble pass and shoot that is rare in the draft there really are not that many guys who have had this sort of skill level uh, at six nine but you as you started to allude to you know the athleticism limitations maybe i would say the low release point on his jumper he's not great at like getting to a spot and rising up floater i think like he's got pretty good touch i think maybe he could get better there he's not didn't have great feel as a finisher though again that's something that can get better in the nba but uh, all of those things do make you wonder about how effective he can be as a scorer at the basket and then but even more so i would say just scoring in isolation like if opponents switch him like what is he going to be able to do at that point because he also so not only is he not a great finisher at the rim, which we'll talk about a little more, but he also doesn't really get great separation without a screen. That's where I wanted to go is is so I I describe Miller's handle as being more functional than dynamic. And for a six foot nine guy, that's pretty great. You know, like if you could have a functional handle at six foot nine, you're pretty good. One of the weaknesses for Miller that might not be solvable is that like Kevin Durant, though he's not nearly as tall as Kevin Durant, Miller's dribble, his handle is just too high. And so I can imagine when he's being guarded at times by like if he's trying to triple threat a smaller guy and Marcus Smart is better than most defenders. But like I can see those guys starting to time him up. Maybe it's not for a steal, but for a tip away, a deflection, those types of things. So when a smaller guy's on him, they can get him off rhythm a little bit. Also, many of the smaller players in the NBA are going to be per like per pound physically stronger than him. Like they're going because he's going to be on the thinner side. And so there will be those issues. And so I I like Miller's handle more than most most like kind of lower usage guys. I don't think at least right now it's good enough for a high usage guy. Like you think about how somebody like I mean, Kawhi is such a different player, but Kawhi, I mean, and or I, I mean, it, to me, maybe it's more like you were higher on Jalen Brown as a prospect than I was. Um, but I Jalen Brown actually, in some ways, his handle was more dynamic than functional, which is still a problem for him in the NBA. But for Miller, like the thing that I wanted to that I, that I fixated on when in the kind of the more the more traditional on ball stuff, because he technically ran his high, most used possession type was pick and roll. But it's because Alabama handled that differently. It was like a light screen. And so they called it a pick and roll as opposed to something else. 
but he's not beating his man that often. And when he does, it's not like he's shaking them or losing them. It's more like he's getting a little bit past them. And that's good enough. Like you, you, you can build a great career even, and even with modest improvement, like you can build an even better one from where he is. But I, it sounds, and you please correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're more optimistic about his ability to create advantages one-on-one than I am. I I don't know about that. I I don't, I mean, I I think I like his handle better than you, but maybe more so in in pick and roll in terms of just the hesitation, getting to spots, manipulating the defense, changing speeds. But if you're going to be kind of, I think what I saw a lot of times is with both the threat of his shooting and his handle in, in isolation, he's actually able to fake the guy out, but then he's just like not quick enough to take advantage of the fact that he faked the guy out. And sure. the guy is able to just get back in front of him, use his strength. I, I could see him having to do a lot of, I think he even got called for in the footage that I saw, one of these, which you don't see that often, of the forearm push-off, right? And two of the guys that he's going to get compared to are Jason Tatum and Paul George. And those guys are two of the most, like neither of those guys are incredibly quick in terms of first step, particularly Paul George in the later part of his career where you're not, they're not necessarily blowing by guys off the dribble. So you see them a lot of times having to kind of shove off with the forearm to create space. The difference though that I see, and, and to be clear, he is a much better shooter at this stage than those guys were. Although the stage for him, keep in mind, is a year later than Jason Tatum came out of college in terms of his age. And so maybe Tatum, by the time he was, you know, in the 2018 playoffs and like you know, having really big games against teams like the Bucs or at times the Cavs or whatever, like you would say he probably was advanced beyond where Miller is now. But the difference that is that Paul George and Jason Tatum both have like pretty high releases and they shoot at the top of their jump and they they are able to despite being similar height you know they're not kind of like i'd say miller's release is maybe a little bit quicker but it's also just like tatum all he has to do is like get a little space or like some of his step back game which i think like his his and george's step back game might be a little bit better too because those guys are a little bit more physically strong so they can use their bodies to create some space i think they are will be more physically strong than miller who just seems thinner than those guys at the same stage and maybe just doesn't have the same ability to pack on strength necessarily and then with that low release i think it's just going to be harder for him now can he just shoot more threes off the dribble early on and or come off a screen more off the ball to make up for that yeah maybe a little bit but as an talking about as an isolation score what he's going to go to to create separation to get his shot off when you're not you're definitely gonna be worried about his shot but i don't think you're gonna be that worried about him blowing by you on the drive and then hey even if he does blow by you you're not that worried about him just like packing it on somebody at the rim either you might even just be able to kind of stay with them and, and bother him with your body and make him miss even without help uh, although he is a, a pretty good passer so that's my biggest concern is just his isolation scoring ability i'd say even i, I would consider that to be below Cade cunningham another guy that we should probably talk about uh, where he kind of fits into the that group of some of the skilled wings uh, who have come out so I, well, i'm yeah go ahead well and one of the I, other points that feeds into all this is something that uh hoop and brought up in the video and um and i saw in the in the games that i watched so i actually ended up watching three brandon miller games because full games along with all the other footage because one of them was uh, i was watching jairus walker film and then i realized that because walker and miller never guarded each other i couldn't 
counted as a Miller game. Um, Brandon Miller did significantly better statistically against the worst teams they play. And that wasn't a huge surprise to me. I didn't know that until after I'd watched film. But I did watch that Houston game. Houston, of course, had one of the best defenses in all of college basketball this year. Brandon Miller went 0 for 8 from the field. He did make 8 and 9 free, eight and nine uh, from the line. But like he kind of disappeared a little bit. That game, he did have a much better game in the Gonzaga one, which I watched. But the idea that a player with his skill set would do significantly better against less athletic, against weaker competition, and then struggle with higher caliber athletes with higher caliber executing teams sounds it sounds completely reasonable based on the film i watched yeah and i watched some of the san diego state game i tried to vary it up more and i just watched like i think i ended up watching like six halves in addition of course to a a ton of his on ball stuff on synergy and the san diego state game in which he went three of 19 with six turnovers that ended their season those guys were big they were strong they were getting into him they were switchable you know they they wasn't he had to rush his shot a little bit more he he definitely did not appear comfortable against those guys in the way that he did in some of the other games that i saw we let's talk about his finishing at the rim now also i mentioned that it's he's not incredibly explosive he does have a pretty decent left hand doesn't have like great touch finishing the thing that struck me the most is how little elevation he's getting on some of these contested finishes i have almost zero ability at least at this point in time to believe that he's going to be able to score over bigs at the rim who are at all in position a lot of times even he's struggling with just his own man on those plays he shot 48 percent for two overall that was 62 percent in conference play as you mentioned that he, he got better throughout the season as a finisher and wasn't taking a ton of mid-rangers but what you saw a lot of times was he'd have a body on him he'd try to like jump into the guy he'd end up not getting off the ground at all he'd kind of shoot this like double pump on the way down knock it off the ground he had a lot of shots that just got blocked in like pretty embarrassing fashion like early on even he tried to like go dunk on someone from like jacksonville state and just got summarily rejected uh so i think it's mostly gonna have to be finesse finishes from him now maybe if he can figure out a way to use the fact that he's skinny to accentuate contact and get to the line more uh, lou williams style that would be a and Paul George has had some moments where he's gotten to the line more, uh, but or he'll have to do more of kind of like the pump faking on the pruner. But I, I don't think he's going to be a guy who gets on top of the rim quickly enough to draw fouls. I don't know that he's a guy who's going to be able to wrong foot guys enough again, Lou Williams style to where he's quick enough that he can then like get the guy going, leaning the wrong way and, and get contact against him, which he can then accentuate with the, his skinny body. So I, I don't think he's going to be a great finisher early on. He could get better with some length finishes. I didn't see like that much like great kind of Euro step extension sort of game. Maybe Miller can get better at that with his solid, but not like crazy elite wingspan for his size. And, you know, one foot or two feet, just not that explosive and powerful as a finisher. And, you know, maybe he can, because he's such a good shooter and he's a good dribbler, like maybe he can get better with some of these like Nash layups and just get more extension, more of kind of like a high floaters off the glass sort of game. But I don't think we're ever going to look at him as a really great fit. Even someone like Tatum, who struggled with his finishing quite a bit, I would say maybe that Miller has a little bit more technique than Tatum at this early stage. 
but Tatum got a lot stronger. He's he's just more powerful as an athlete coming in off of one foot. Like I don't think you're going to see Brendan Miller with any of those dunks. Then if you're going to talk Paul George, that's another guy who, I mean, you remember how incredibly athletic Paul George was before he, he broke his leg with some of the huge dunks he had. Like That's just not going to be Brendan Miller. Physically, actually, this is probably a name that may not resonate with you, but I'll throw it out there. See if you remember this guy. Do you remember a guy named Jamar Johnson? No. He was actually born the same year as me, 1980, and was a one and done at Cincinnati. I think he was on that, uh, that Kenyon Martin Cincinnati team in, I want to say that was 2000. And he was six, nine. He could shoot pretty well. I, I would say that Brandon Miller shown way more than Jamar Johnson ever did as a shooter and a skill level and a driver, but physically Jamar Johnson was six, nine, but he was really, a shooting guard and that's kind of what i uh, on offense at least that's what i think of brandon miller as he's really i think he's going to be more of have a shooting guard style of game coming off of screens bombing threes maybe isn't going to be as effective as an isolation score you know you don't see him as a guy who's like okay call up the other team's point guard i'm gonna run pick and roll at that guy and now i can back down and score over him in the post or, or get around him easily with my long strides or, or something like that or, or just easily create space against a smaller player who then can't contest it like i like you i'd be concerned about someone like that kind of getting into his body and him not being able to do that much about it so that i think he's kind of more of a shooting guard uh, ultimately uh, on offense is there anything else you want to talk about with the, his offense? There were a few, pa- like, so I had been lower on Miller's passing in the early film I watched, and some of that's just, it's randomized synergy. Like, you could see where things go. But then when I watched the assists and turnovers, there were more that showed some craft. Like, he had a, a pick and roll lob to the roll man, and a a play where he, like, kind of had a, I, I call it sometimes a tic-tac-toe pass to a big man in transition. It's like he's throwing the connector. And the big didn't see it, but the idea was more important than the execution is like okay you're looking for the right things had a really nice hit ahead um and my favorite thing about brandon miller as a passer is his willingness if he sees the play and he sees the guy he'll make the right play i don't think of him as particularly incisive or creative as a passer like i at, I, at one point i was like thinking about him not comparing them as players in the slightest but to paolo bancara and i'm like oh paolo is so much better as a passer like that's but, but that's also like the best thing that paolo bancara does and so yeah well paolo also he just has way more gravity than brandon miller once he gets inside the arc well and plays more has a better body and plays with more force um and and paulo banquero is a very very good passer for his size like i i was i was very impressed by what brandon miller was able to do as a passer again for given where he's at in his development and his size like it, it was it's very solid i would say at the the higher end of range of some of these you know true wing prospects that we've seen over the last 10 years at this it, stage and, and it will be interesting to see how miller's game evolves from here like i think of the skill development that he would need to do to be a dominant on-ball player as daunting but possible that's the way that i would describe it and whether he's that player or not i don't think we'll know right away i think it'll take a couple of years and you you brought up Tatum before I, I I the player that Miller to me is most similar to is high school and Duke Jason Tatum there there are some important differences but just generally in that range and Jason Tatum has improved a whole hell of a lot to get to where he is but he's a damn good player you know he's a top 10 player in the league we'll have, see whether he he ends up being the best player in the championship team that's a, an open question with him uh anything else on the offensive end well I think as we transition to the defense what oh, I was one other about, one other quick thing okay sorry pretty seamless grab and go like that's just something yeah. he can do 
Yeah, absolutely. Like comfortable uh, handling and, and attacking it in transition and, and some of his better finishes in transition as well. So given what I said about his offense, that I don't necessarily think he's going to be a number one scorer on his team, like a number one pick and roll threat that is isolation game. Yeah, I think like maybe it could get there. Like I'm not foreclosing it. He would just, and like we've seen guys with this body type get a lot more athletic and maybe I'm wrong about like how much stronger he could get as well. Or maybe he'll just be better at creating the space and that jumper will just be so good that even though it's a low release it's not going to matter and he can really improve some of like his step back game to where he still is six nine he'll be able to get that off so i'm not completely foreclosing the idea that he could really be a big time scorer and then his passing will be good enough to to work out of that but yeah I, i'm thinking he's more along the lines of probably a secondary option however that means to me that much depends on what he can do defensively if we're talking about like a truly switchable wing in time, obviously. Of course, like these sorts of players are not going to be like great defenders early on in their group. But are we talking about a guy who can switch one through four? Are we talking about a guy who can hold up on the glass, can maybe give you a little bit of help defense and, and rim protection, who has at least the potential to play hard defensively? Because if you're talking about someone who has that level of versatility, not even necessarily to be like an impact defender, but who can just guard a lot of different positions fit in in so many different lineups and then also is really going to be able to shoot the ball like this then you're talking about an extremely valuable player at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet 365 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Where do you come in feeling about just his overall level of defensive versatility to fit into those categories that I'm talking about? I think of him more as a team defender than a dominant individual defender. There, there were a number of things that bothered me in his defensive film, but they were mostly correctable other than the physical limitations. Yeah. So I, I didn't see anything there. I was like, oh, this is terrible. Right. He, he like he there were times where he was like he was over helping off of his guy. But I think that also might have been the scheme. Like, you know, those sort of things, a little too jumpy on pump fakes. Not I mean, depending on what position you intend for him to to go like the screen navigation defensively wasn't fantastic. But all those like I'm not saying he was terrible at any of them. But and they're all things that if it becomes imperative for your organization depending on what scheme you're running that he can do but i didn't see like to me what the thing that i brought up and i I, I, like it's the oh oh the one thing that he was truly terrible at i watched the full arkansas game he gave up two blatant back cuts to uh this guy walsh on arkansas where he was just ball watching and just walsh just ran straight past him like that was bad like that that but you can that's a couple of practice sessions like you can you could fix that pretty quickly if you want to um but what i saw in miller which is compelling it's a it's a different thing than i usually say is that i think of him defensively as the natural complement to a lot of these more dominant wing defenders and so the idea there um 
I've used the phrase reciprocal versatility here, which is if your team has OG and Anobi, or they have the vision of what Marcus Smart is, or Drew Holiday, who's a wonderful defender on lots of different positions, you need the other players on that team to be able to guard multiple positions credibly, because otherwise you can't use that star in that way. Because if you're, you know, if you're uh, three or you're two as a one position defender, then you can then you can't put them on on you know if that's the guy that Drew Holiday is guarding or whoever. I think Miller could be pretty good. Like, I don't think of him as great defending any position, but he could be credible enough guarding everyone but fives that he can work alongside that type of guy. I think that's a a reasonable way to put it, that he wasn't getting blown by, but he's really more of a, in isolation, more of a contained defender. And yeah, this player type, given his, when I say this player type, you know, kind of a star wing like this, a big offensive option on his team that generally is not going to be like heating up the ball necessarily uh i didn't think that he looked particularly good getting over screens in a conventional pick and roll defense you know that he's just there's a lot of him to screen there's not many guys who are great at doing that at, at six nine i mean maybe not even six seven a, a lot of times so but he's not getting into the ball and he's a little bit slow in that regard i think his hips are decent his feet can move but usually what he's doing is kind of playing the angles trying to contain and so he'll get like okay contest but generally not a great contest uh, on a guy's jump shot when he's guarding a, another score you know he's he's not you would think that a guy with his length would he could like surprise guys who are taking a jump shot every now and then that i didn't see that happen hardly at all uh not even necessarily talking about like actually blocking the jumper but just really like making them uncomfortable like those guys are able to get separation yeah it's technically contested it doesn't look that bad but it's also just not perfect and you know his strength is i think going to be a little bit of an issue that's being this skinny that's where you wonder okay can he guard power forwards you know if he's going up against your proto wing who really likes to use his size and his body to create space he's going to be able to deal with that i'm going to say probably not like he, do, he also doesn't like bounce off the ground quickly on some of his contests like you'll see some guys who are skinny like a mikhail bridges yeah he might be skinny but he's getting into the ball while he's got really good hands which i wouldn't say that miller has necessarily defensively and and then when the guy goes into his shot, he's able to transition from being in a stance to getting up a off the ground and challenging that so like i did think he played reasonably hard again for this sort of player uh, and you know i didn't see any just like massive fails in terms of effort but you also didn't really see him showing up in areas you know that are unanticipated blowing up plays making plays off the ball necessarily he, he fell asleep a few times that you mentioned but it's so he wasn't really doing the one thing i would say really does make you think that he you know could be a plus is as a rebounder you know, to average eight rebounds a game, again, also playing with the two bigs a reasonable amount of the time, that that was impressive. Like, he always tracks back to get the defensive boards. You mentioned the grab-and-go game. He, he'll he try to box out sometimes against larger players, but usually it's more just getting his nose in there. If the shot goes up, he's going to track back to the glass, actually jump for a contested rebound, and a lot of times get it uh, using his length. And so that's just having that kind of a nose for the ball on the glass that's that's encouraging to me could allow him to play in some more small ball type of lineups and at least help fill out that portion but i'm also i'm not sure he's gonna have just the strength to hold up at the four position you know against like an an aaron gordon trying to duck him in or something like that that's just and you know switching 
getting onto five is definitely not going to happen. So, so I think he's, I don't think he has the defensive ability. Like he's not as bad as like Brandon Ingram. I would say uh, Ingram has better tools than him because he has a seven, three wingspan and, but he's not Tatum. I don't think he has those physical tools. I don't think he has those level of instincts. Not, I wouldn't say Cade Cunningham, even in Cade's smaller, but Cade plays a lot harder. He'll try to go for shot blocks. He'll most of, uh, what do you, he averaged just like just less than a steal and just less than a block a game. And I think most of those came, most of those blocks came kind of on ball when guys would try to like jump into him uh like he, he definitely will try to contest for sure so i, I think he's just he's kind of kind of average like okay just that i just i mean I, you never know evaluating wing defense is definitely difficult but i think i would rather have someone that i viewed as having elite physical potential that you know maybe just wasn't trying as hard that you could teach how to try rather than just he's kind of all right he's trying okay like he's not really a plus he'll guard some of the the best guys at times but he didn't really like you know it was just because that's the guy they had at the three i didn't think it was because he was doing like some great job there or anything so that's about where i end up there uh you know in the post yeah go ahead one way of describing this is that miller's defensive film and college is significantly better than Bancaro's, but Bancaro was so much better as an athlete. There was a pathway to him being a being a capable defender kind of right away, and he he was so much better his his rookie year than he was in college. Yeah, now Bancaro kind of has to play the four, which you know Miller doesn't necessarily. And if, like I said, if he's he could probably just be a two on offense. Maybe he could just play a two on defense also. And then maybe he is a plus there with his length and his rebounding ability. It's just, it's tough for him to get over a screen. But if he's, maybe he's the worst of your three defenders, or at least the thinnest of your three defenders at the two through four. So maybe he could be deployed that way because unlike some of these guys, like he is, I think that level of shooter to play the dude. So maybe he really just ends up being a two. Uh, So let's finish up here. Just any kind of like big themes you want to talk about it as you're thinking about him in terms of your final evaluation. I think that Miller's shooting, even if it was just one year of college, like I feel confident that that's going to play, that that's going to translate the variety, the difficulty did. I I mean, is it going to be 37% or is it going to be 41%? Like that's, that's a question, right? But he's going to get him up. He's got a lot of versatility. He's going to get him up and he'll probably take a lower volume as a, in the early years as a pro. And so you could see the efficiency go up just because they're, they're more makeable. And we brought this up, but his efficiency in pure catch and shoot situations was, was very, very good overall. And, but the, the thing that is so fascinating about Miller and it's it's one of the ways that you and I sometimes differ from others who evaluate players in part because we do it from solely an NBA perspective is the balancing between floor ceiling and reasonably likely outcomes. And so Brandon Miller, I I think that the pathway, the pathways to him becoming a very good player, like a low end all-star that that's a pretty easy sales pitch for me. I mean, this, the, he can defend multiple positions, even if he's not a star at it, he can hit these shots and there are ways that he could take modest improvements of his game where I get pause and where like his place in this class gets more into question for me is how you get from here where he is to best player in a championship team, regular season or postseason MVP, because you need to have the foundation physically and from a skill perspective, or at least the potential to take that on. And he's not a freak athlete. And the success of non-freak athletes as those kinds of players is, is narrow. Like that happens 
wins. There are some every time, but there aren't that many. And his skill level is more complementary player great than star great. And Jason Tatum, great example of how you can bridge it. It is distinctly possible, but it's a lot and very few players really get there. And so for me, I think that that duality is important where it's like he's going to be able to fit in. He could fit in on a lot of teams like Brandon Miller could make a lot of teams better. But will he do so as more of a an amplifier than a advantage creator? Yeah, that's my instinct. There's little about him that really like titillates the prospect of either. I mean, maybe just that three point shooting would probably be the only thing. And I agree with you. The idea of him as a top 10 player in the NBA and you would think that like his absolute upside as an offensive player is someone like Paul George or Jason Tatum. Although, again, I'd expect him to do it in a slightly different way, given that the, the mid-range doesn't seem to make as much sense with the – it doesn't really have the high release and doesn't really get off the ground on those plays. And he's not really, like, that powerful to create space with his body. So, But you, I could see him getting to an offensive level of a Brandon Ingram, a Tatum, maybe a Paul George, not a Kawhi. Y. Leonard, you know, certainly not like a, a LeBron James or something like that. Uh, but you know, that that's still really good. Uh and that's sort of the and then defensively is just more of a as you like to say, a cog in the machine. Not someone who's really going to do anything spectacular, but can hold up reasonably well. The rebounding's nice. Maybe he can get a little better as a health defender. Seems like a pretty smart player, but not a natural defensive player maker by any means. So you would think he's when you look at someone at guys like Tatum and George, I would expect that he's going to be below there. Not as bad as Ingram, although he, Ingram probably has better physical tools, but he just doesn't use them. Plays hard-ish. Uh, harder than Ingram, you would say. So like, I'm not like, oh man, I'm just like so excited about this guy at the top of the draft but then you really start to use your brain and you're like yeah six nine and can dribble pass and shoot and you go back and look at some of the wings that were drafted even in the top five over the the last few years right like i'm not looking at this guy and being like oh yeah this is a guy i'm like really excited to take at like number one or number two like i'm sure he's going to be a franchise player but even just getting someone who's like a really good score on the wing who can defend his position okay and particularly given that he's going to be able to shoot from the outside and have a lot of gravity when he's off the ball like his skill level is ahead of basically every true three prospect at this point in time that point in time being the point he was drafted not necessarily age 20.5 which is important to remember too when you talk about him not having that much upside but other than maybe like Cade in the last five years I would say that his skill level is higher than just about any other three that's been drafted at this point in time and yeah I don't think he has the upside a lot of these guys due to the athleticism but that's just like wings are just that valuable and I think if you we haven't talked we'll talk about some of the other guys I don't even know who else is out there yet but just sort of thinking about him in an average draft and then thinking about some of the guys who went you know three four two in some of these drafts you know, if you compare him to like DeAndre Hunter in 2019, right? Like it's, or, just, it's or, no comparison. It's like it's a Scotty billion Barnes. times better than that guy, right? Or who? Scotty Barnes. Like yeah, or or Isaac Okoro, or who was like a, a three. You know, Barnes was really more of a four. Is a little bit different, but uh, and I would love it if if I felt better about Miller being able to be like a true four defensively at six nine. I would probably be more excited then too to just be able to put that level of a shooter at the four who can also drive and pass and then defend the four pretty well. I, I don't love him there other than the rebounding but yeah it's just 
like the position that he plays okay enough defensively not going to take anything off the table for you on offense because of his shooting ability and again it's hard for me to think of another guy who's like drafted at the three in the top 10 who's this level of shooter at that and at that size but you know again maybe if you think of him as a shooting guard then he he, you kind of think of him differently so once you start to think of him that way in terms of just like hey this guy's a wing you can drill pass and shoot like this and yeah you know what like maybe he's never doesn't have the upside to be a top 10 player but he certainly seems to be extremely high floor it's hard for me to see how he's going to just fail they're also like the beauty of six foot nine guys is that they especially ones who are at least competent defensively is that they can fit in your rotation so many ways like they, oh, yeah. they can he can guard different things he could you know you, you can he could be lower usage he's not gonna be high usage but you could have him as more of a play finisher and can I, he can he works so many spots and i mean you think about all the these teams that are just starving. I mean, I'm not saying he should go there, but you think about like the Indiana Pacers and how they just needed warm bodies at the two, three, and four so desperately. And if you could give even this Brandon Miller 30, 35 minutes of rotation, it would make them better. Like there are teams just starving for that. Yeah. So again, like if you're thinking about him as an, like I, my thought on him would be you know, his upside is like solid all-star maybe maybe more like low-end all-star but it's just like finding someone at that position who's good is just really difficult and but like would you be surprised yeah. if he made an all-nba team yeah i think so i think it would be a little surprising same but possible but yeah. but and i i would be very i mean okay anybody can make all-nba the second team all-nba sorry, lately sorry. forward make, but make two all-nba teams <laughs> well or or more like if if i would be surprised if I thought he should make second team all NBA. Fair enough. At, at forward. Third team, yeah, yeah, maybe. I maybe see him being in contention. It would probably still surprise. I think more kind of low-end all-star would be my thought for what I see as upside. And of course, there always could be injuries or stuff like that that are going to derail someone. But yeah, the reality is like taking, if you get a, especially at that position in the top, like, you know, it, it picks even like two through four, like you've done well. Like that's actually a good pick. But it's also just not like, oh, man, this guy's just he's going to fucking rule the league someday. Like, no, I don't see that. We done here? I think so. All right. That was funny. It took a while. I guess we had to go through all the legal stuff, uh, which is not what I enjoy doing that much, but definitely needed to be talked about. And thanks so much, everyone, for subscribing. We're doing that sale now in honor of the mock-off season, which is coming up uh, within the month. So if you want to shift over to yearly, you can definitely get big savings by doing that as opposed to uh, the month-to-month membership uh, because we appreciate you guys committing to that uh, up front and we offer commensurate savings uh, as a result. So you, of course, uh, can get so much else uh, as a subscriber as well. And don't forget to check out the Discord, check out your email if you're not doing that for Dan's Daily Dunks and Seth Partnow's Nerd Noshes two or three times a week. Tons of content coming here over the next month, including many other draft profiles. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.